0: You are listening to another No Fair Remembering Stuff, the Tuesday edition of the Professional Left Podcast, and available wherever you get your podcasts, and at our website, proleftpod.com, where you can also contribute to this podcast. There is a Patreon button at our website, or if you want to, you can mail us a letter and or contribution at the Professional Left Podcast, P.O. Box 9133, Springfield, Illinois, 62791.
1: And it's not safe for work.
0: As we transition from our wet, hot indictment summer to a cool, crisp indictment fall, today we're looking back on a blockbuster scandal from 1974, one that set the Beltway Tongues a-wagon and typewriters a typing, a scandal that 50 years ago changed the course of American politics forever. We are, of course, referring to the
1: Tidal Basin Bombshell Affair.
0: All I'm trying to do is to launch a career. Don't you think this looks bad for you personally as a married uh, chairman of the House Ways and Means Committee, though? My wife's in on it. (laughs) And you say, you've never heard of this before? The Tidal Basin Affair? The Argentine Firecracker? Well, you have definitely come to the right place. So let us, your no-fair-remembering-stuff docents, lead you through some of the scandal timeline of 1974 to that forgotten gem.
1: That's right. Beetlejuice, eat your heart out. (laughs) First, we need to quickly drop in on the summer of 1973. That is half a century ago, Driftglass. Yep. That's when Richard Nixon's former presidential appointment secretary, Alexander Butterfield, met with Senate investigators and told them that there was a secret taping system in the White House. Later, the same Butterfield testified before the Senate committee in a live broadcast, And testified that since 1971, Nixon had recorded all conversations and telephone calls in his offices.
0: Guess what? Nixon turned off immediately after he found out about this.
1: (laughs) (laughs) And that's when things went sharply downhill. Because now, this was no longer a question of whether you believed John Dean or believed Richard Nixon. Suddenly, the question of whether Nixon was lying or not could be easily answered by just listening to Nixon's own voice on the tapes. And by the way, John Dean's voice on the tapes as well. Oh yeah,
0: everybody. Everybody was on there.
1: Yep. And and interestingly enough, I mean, they John Dean had already testified. Yep. So when they heard the tapes and everything that John Dean had said under oath was confirmed by the tapes, yeah, it was really bad news for Dick Nixon.
0: Yeah, it was uh, not technically gender-wise he sh- he said, she said, but it really was... You know, who do you believe, the president of the United States or this turncoat punk who has turned on his his commander-in-chief? On his
1: former employer, right, right. But the balance of 1973 and into 1974 became a fight over the tapes. Who was going to get the tapes, who was going to have access to the tapes, and who was going to control Mm -hmm. which tapes were released? And at first, Nixon just refused completely to turn them over. They were his personal property. Right. they're, they're nobody's business but his own. Then he offered to have them summarized and edited.
0: <laughs> Expletive deleted. That hit yeah, the bookshelves and it was a big deal. Exactly yeah, exactly right. Yep.
1: Then came the Saturday Night Massacre. Nixon ordered the firing of Special Prosecutor Archibald Cox. And Attorney General Elliot Richardson and Deputy Attorney General William Ruckelshaus resigned rather than carry out the president's orders. Can you uh-huh. imagine?
0: Boom. All in one day. All, All in over- one day. And
1: then Solicitor General Robert Bork, yes, that Robert Bork, Mm
0: -hmm. did
1: Nixon's dirty work and went and fired Archibald Cox. And also there was the resignation of Vice President Spiro Agnew on completely different charges of bribery and income tax (laughs) evasion. (laughs) Two days after Agnew resigned, Nixon nominated Michigan Congressman Gerald Ford as vice president. Uh, Ford was sworn in as vice president in December. And in 1974, events began taking on a kind of doomed momentum. There was the 18 and a half minute gap, the indictments of the Watergate 7, the transcripts, the impeachment hearings, the unanimous nine to zero Supreme Court ruling, the people of the United States versus (laughs) Richard Nixon, that Nixon must turn over the tapes to congressional investigators.
0: Yeah, never was a Supreme Court case more correctly named than the yeah. people of the United States versus Richard Goddann versus Nixon.
1: Richard M. Nixon. <clears throat>
0: Absolutely. Over the summer, 49 years ago, three articles of impeachment were debated and approved by the House Judiciary Committee against Richard Nixon. Obstruction of justice, misuse of power and contempt of Congress. Then came the smoking gun. And three days later, Nixon resigned. Vice President Gerald Ford became the first unelected president in U.S. history. Then, a month later, came the pardon. Now, if you ask anyone of a certain age about the tapes, or the pardon, or the gap, or the smoking gun, they will know exactly what you are talking about. They will be transported by memory instantly back to 1974, to the days of Watergate, and the rumble in the jungle, and the discovery of Lucy, the almost-complete hominid skeleton over 3 million years old that was found in Africa. They might also remember that 1974 was the year the national speed limit was dropped to 55 miles an hour, or that they put the finishing touches on the Sears Tower, which, just for your information, for anyone from Chicago, will always and forever be called the Sears Tower. It was also the year that a 26-year-old author named Stephen King published his debut novel, Carrie, but... Almost no one with intact memories of that year remembers Wilbur Mills, Fanny Fox, and the curious incident of what happened in the Tidal Basin.
1: And I guarantee you that 50 years from now, or maybe even five years from now, or maybe even five months from now, no one will remember the curious incident of 36-year-old cracker trash meemaw Lauren (laughs) Boebert at Beetlejuice the Musical. Uh Uh-huh. But since it is fresh in the minds of cable news pundits and social media addicts, it seems like an excellent time to compare and contrast LaFaire Boebert, which was caught on videotape and which will have absolutely no effect on her House career, and the case of the most powerful House Democrat being brought down by hanky-panky that spilled out into public view one crazy night in 1974. Mm-hmm. 1974, Congressman Wilbur Mills, an Arkansas Democrat, if you can imagine such a thing, was arguably the most powerful politician in the country. He was the chairman of the Ways and Means Committee, which meant he had, quote, near absolute sway over any legislation with fiscal consequences, unquote, which is virtually all legislation. A House colleague of Mills told a reporter, quote, I never vote against God, Motherhood, or Wilbur Mills, unquote. Mm -hmm. And at the time, Wilbur Mills, who had been a congressman for 36 years, and Mm -hmm. we're sure most of you have never heard of him, he was being seriously considered as both a presidential candidate and a potential Supreme Court justice. Yep. So what happened? Well, a 38-year-old exotic dancer named Annabelle Battistella happened. But if you remember this incident at all, you probably remember her by her stage name, Fanny Fox. She was also known as the Argentine Firecracker.
0: Yeah, yeah. I'm so glad you brought this up for us to remember today because it was such a lost gem. Wilbur Mill's powerhouse political career ended a couple of hours after midnight on October 9th of 1974 when his limousine, which was weaving all over the road, was pulled over by park police near Washington's downtown mall. That's when Annabelle Battistella jumped out of Mill's limo and ran into the night yelling something in English and in Spanish. And then straight into the Tidal Basin in front of the Jefferson Memorial, which until then had been most famous for, quote, the flowering cherry trees, which represent America's friendship with Japan and are key to the national treasure's identity. The trees are featured at Washington's famous Cherry Blossom Festival, which attracts more than 1.5 million annual visitors, unquote. That's the Tidal Basin, and this is what it suddenly became known for. Park police fished her out and then handcuffed her again when she tried to dive again back into the Tidal Basin.
1: Reports of the incident state that the congressman was found inside the limo with three other friends and with inexplicable scratches all over his face. No charges were filed, and the park police did exactly what you would expect they would do for a powerful politician caught doing something sketchy at 2 a.m. They got behind the wheel of Mills' limo and drove the group home. Then came the litany of clumsy official excuses. (laughs) At first, Mills' aides denied that Mills was there at all. Then they denied the denial and claimed it was all just a merry mix-up. Then Mills claimed that Mrs. Battistella and her husband were close friends, and he was just trying to give her a ride home after she became too intoxicated. Mm -hmm. As for the limo weaving and speeding... Well, that, Mills explained, was because the friend who was driving, quote, was unfamiliar with my car, and among other things, in the glare of the lighted streets, neglected to turn on the headlamps, unquote.
0: So Mills did all the things. He apologized to his constituents. He told his wife he was sorry, who he claimed was, quote, blaming herself for not accompanying us on that night, even with her broken foot, unquote. He even then thanked the park police, quote, for the courtesies extended to me and my friends, unquote. Honest, I ran out of gas. I had a flat tire. I I didn't have enough money for cab fare. My tux didn't come back from the cleaners. An old friend came in from out of town. Someone stole my car. There was an earthquake, a terrible flood. Locust, it wasn't my fault, I swear to God! Now, jump ahead 50 years. Can you even imagine Lauren Boebert thanking anyone for anything, much less the people who escorted her out of the theater. And here's another thing. For most people who knew Mills, him being caught with a stripper was a total shock because it seemed so completely out of character for who they knew him to be and had known him to be for 36 years. He was a buttoned down, excessively cautious man who was known for his fastidious attention to legislative details and his moderation. If he was ever up at 2 a.m., it was probably because he was plotting through the arcana of the U.S. tax code. He'd been living in the same modest D.C. apartment for 25 years with his wife, Polly. He refused—this detail cracked me up, blue gal—he refused to invest in the stock market because he was concerned that it might create the appearance of a conflict of interest.
1: Oh, that's adorable.
0: It is. It's such a relic from a different time. And he had boring hobbies. He liked baseball. He liked reading. He liked music and, you know, reading through the U.S. tax code. If he was in the papers at all, it was only to discuss tax policy— or tariffs, or military spending, or social security. He was also, it is reported, excessively punctual, and expected everybody else to do as well. There is a story floating around that he once ordered his pilot to take off, leaving then-Vice President Lyndon B. Johnson stranded on the ground. They were supposed to discuss some budget stuff arising from the Vietnam War, but Johnson was 10 minutes late, so Mills just left him behind, because get here on time, or I'm taking off, bitch. (laughs)
1: jump ahead 50 years again and is anyone shocked that bobert behaved like trailer trash karen you know she stuffed herself into a dress two size too small she was an asshole in the theater she took flash photos Uh of the stage in the theater and was vaping she groped her date in public and then as she was told to leave she flipped everybody off and don't you know who i am
0: yeah nothing but class
1: nothing Nothing but but class. class But after the Tidal Basin incident, the public kept looking for some explanation for this inexplicable behavior. I mean, this is Wilbur Mills. Wilbur Mills. 36-year congressman. Yeah. You know, math nerd, tax nerd. Uh, Mills was taking meds for pain after back surgery. Maybe the drugs did
0: it. Could have been the drugs. Or
1: (laughs) Or in another of Mills' own excuses, quote, I drank booze. And I mixed the drinks with some highly addictive drugs, unquote. Or maybe he just wanted to get with the object of his infatuation so badly that he risked ruining his career over it. Mm-hmm. If you are unfamiliar with this phenomenon, go now and rent The Blue Angel starring Marlena Dietrich. Yeah. It does seem like that's what this story is.
0: Yeah. That he, and- he
1: reached a point of, you know, death is is staring me in the face. Yes. It's downhill from here, and here's my one chance to have the love of a sexy woman. Yeah, and and he jumped at it, and it's... and he was drinking.
0: <clears throat> so, or just rent uh, the yeah. seven year. Just rent the seven year itch. If, if yeah. Marlena Dietrich is too much for you, rent the seven year itch.
1: Yeah, that's right. A month after this tidal basin incident, with after all the apologies and excuses and not so subtle reminders that he was probably the most powerful politician in america and had delivered for his constituents and also thanks to the collapse of the gop in the wake of watergate mills won re-election in his heavily democratic congressional district in arkansas (laughs) and you might think well that's the end of the story and that was certainly our recollection was he got re-elected and fanny faded away and that was it but that's not what happened uh Long, not long after he was reelected, he showed up at a Boston strip club where Fanny Fox was performing. He couldn't stay away now, this from is a, the stripper.
0: This is a congressman from Arkansas
1: going who, flying up to Boston.
0: Who lives in Washington D.C. Yeah. Flying over to Boston just to stare at this woman stripping on stage.
1: Yep, yep. Uh, and apparently, people in the audience noticed he was there, and Fox then announced to the audience at the end of her act. I'd like you to meet somebody. And she turned to the wings and said, Mr. Mills, Mr. Mills, where are you? And Wilbur Mills walked onto the stage next to the stripper. And they chatted a bit and she kissed him and he went back into the wings. Now, and and the press was there. I mean, this is the thing that he's taking questions from the press at this point.
0: Yeah. And there are pictures.
1: And there are pictures and video of him and, and saying, you know, my wife is in on it. I'm just trying to further her career. Uh, a few days later, he resigned from his chairmanship on the Ways and Means Committee and joined Alcoholics Anonymous. Mm-hmm. In the months following, Wilbur Mills' wife, Polly, did the humiliating congressional wife duty thing of showing a united front to the world. She sat front row at his events, looking on wifely as reporters sitting nearby ogled the nude photographs of Fox that were running in the dailies. Jesus. As Mills' career went down the drain, Fanny Fox's rose to new heights. She rebranded her striptease. Argentine Firecracker was out, and the Tidal Basin bombshell was in. Yeah. And, of course, she published a tell-all memoir. It was entitled The Stripper and the Congressman. And in it, she says that Mills had gotten her pregnant. And had it not been for the Tidal Basin incident, she and Wilbur Mills would probably have gotten married. Him showing up in Boston to watch her striptease, according to Fanny, was because he was crazy about her. And she called him out onto the stage to save face when he accidentally revealed himself to the audience.
0: I want to copy of that book. My Christmas yeah, present she, this year. She
1: told a reporter after the book was published, quote, Congressman Mills knew I was writing the book. What may shock him is the fact that I put almost everything into it. Unquote. After that, she returned to Argentina and was never heard from again.
0: And she exits our story, but Wilbur Wilbur Mills sticks around. He retired from Congress at the end of that term and went on to become an advocate for addiction awareness. He raised funds for treatment centers and counseling other alcoholics, and he and his wife remained married until he died in 1992. So, you know kind of redemptive there. He, he learned his lesson and he did good in the world until he passed away and his wife stayed married to him. As his career, as the most powerful man in Congress was coming to an end, a 30-year-old junior senator from Delaware named Joseph Robinette Biden, who'd been elected in 1972, was just beginning to learn, you know, how the Senate works. Biden was also still grieving the loss of his wife, and infant daughter, in a tragic automobile accident. And he'd considered resigning his Senate seat completely, so he could stay home and take care of his two infant sons, Bo and Hunter, who were also seriously injured. But Senate President Mike Mansfield talked him out of it. Now, consider what has happened to our politics from that day until this. Consider all the changes that Joe Biden has personally witnessed during his time in politics. In mm-hmm. 1974, Richard Nixon, who was guilty as hell, but only about a hundredth as depraved and corrupt as Trump, resigned rather than face certain impeachment and removal from office. All these years later, Donald Trump shrugs off two full impeachment votes in the sure and certain knowledge that no matter how obviously guilty he was of treason and other high crimes, the Republican Party would never go along with holding him accountable for anything.
1: In 1974, being caught in the company of an exotic dancer was cause enough for Wilbur Mills to resign his chairmanship of the House Ways and Means Committee.
0: But... In 2016, being caught paying off porn stars and bragging about grabbing women by the pussy, if anything, made Donald Trump even more popular with Republican voters. In
1: 1974, the Tidal Basin incident was cause for profuse apologies. By 2016, every Republican atrocity, no matter how thoroughly proven, is automatically dismissed by Republican voters as fake news invented by the liberal media and any attempt to hold any Republican elected official accountable is automatically dismissed by Republican voters as weaponizing the government by the deep state.
0: Ooh, the deep state. You know how the deep state does shit. Mm -hmm. Finally, with the exception of native son Bill Clinton in 92 and 96, what was once Wilbur Mills' safe Democratic Arkansas district of 1974 has gone Republican in every single presidential election since Reagan they went for trump 52 to 42% in 2016 and then knowing him for what he was went for trump again in 2020 53 to 44%. they sent tom effing cotton to the senate in 2014 and then knowing him for what he was reelected that asshole in 2020 58% to 42%. that's where we stand today.
1: and and the difference is hate radio fox news and all of the conservative media ecosphere.
0: Absolutely. This is that
1: has brainwashed the Republican Party and its voters. Yeah, the, into thinking t- Democrats are evil, Democrats are bad, government's wrong, and it's our team or nothing.
0: And, and, and the, uh, uh, the TV yeah. consultant, Richard Nixon's television consultants, yeah. all the way back then was a young man named Roger Ailes. Yep.
1: Yeah. And, and he Roger wanted to Ailes, create Republican TV.
0: Yeah, kept trying and trying, finally got someone to fund it named Rupert Murdoch. Mm-hmm. And created it based on the pre-existing template of hate radio and Rush yeah. Limbaugh. The idea that you never stop demonizing the opponent. You never stop attacking Democrats for being filthy communist monsters. And between Limbaugh and the radio side of that, Fox and the television side of that, Newt Gingrich, remember Newt Gingrich, and the political side of that, and all the think tanks and all the projects and all the special white papers and all the organization's to influence voting, all the Leo, uh, Leonard Leo setting up his uh, project to take over Federalist Society to take over the courts, all Mm -hmm. of that billions and billions of dollars poured into that. That's what got us from there to here. And here is an unrecoverably brain dead fascist Republican Party that cannot be salvaged, that will not recognize its own flaws, and that will toss anyone out who says anything bad about anybody out the door. Imagine Barry Goldwater walking up to the White House and telling Donald Trump he's got to resign.
1: Yeah, yeah. He'd,
0: he'd never make it out of there No own
1: Republican congressman would ever do that.
0: No. Instead, you remember there are tapes, right, Blue Gal?
1: There are tapes. Yes, there, there are, tapes. are.
0: And what What was Kevin, Mike Kevin, what was Mitch McConnell saying? That we can rely on our friends, the Democrats, to take care of this son of a to bitch. fix
1: this, because we him. can't.
0: We can't do it. I hate we him. We and they, yeah. they went on and on about what well, an asshole he was, what a monster he was, we can't do a thing about it, but the Democrats will do it for us. Yeah. That's what got us from there to here.
1: Yeah. Don't forget, we really need more Patreons to make this podcast fly. So if you can afford to support us in that way, we would really appreciate it. Visit our Patreon at patreon.com slash pod And thank you for that. See you next time.
0: See you next time.
1: The Professional F Podcast No Fair Remembering Stuff Tuesday Edition is produced under a Creative Commons license. Copyright 2022-23, DGBG Productions.